Hello and welcome back to the Evolving Hockey Podcast. My name is Sean. I'm joined by the Evolving Wild Twins, Josh and Luke Youngren. And we also have a special guest coming up tonight uh, after we get through a word of our sponsor. We had Corey Schneider on. We wanted to have <laughs> the sponsor will eventually come. We have a brand new sponsor. No, we way. don't. Um, <laughs> we finally got Corey on last week. We wanted to have him on. We were feeling under the weather. We got him on this week. Um, we have already recorded that part of the podcast already at this point. I thought it was a good conversation with Corey. He does a lot of interesting stuff. Um, I thought it was a blast. I, I don't yeah. know about you guys. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, fantastic. It was a great I mean, Corey's a great guy. We didn't really get into this in the episode, although we don't want to spoil it, but we've known him for a while. Uh, he's been in – I mean, he's one of the few public people in hockey stats or in just like, I don't know, the – I guess you would call hockey analytics world that has been around for – over 10 years. I mean, he's been like, he's most of the people, you know, who are that, who've kind of followed the league for that long are not involved anymore. And he's still going harder than he ever has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was a blast. Uh, stick around for it. Um, just, I guess up front too, we'll just say this is uh Corey Schneider. You can see it, find him on Twitter at, at shutdown line. Also, um, his website is, uh, all three zones, dot com uh, which you can find info to his patreon as well so uh, if you're interested in any of the stuff that you hear if you stick around which i think you should uh consider supporting him and, and uh going and signing up and looking at some of his info on his yeah, site unless you just came to listen to us talk for yeah. <laughs> three minutes and then say peace no i think i think that's all people can can bear of us i'm sure they they want to hear from Corey, but first they need to hear from our brand new sponsor uh but thank you guys so much and we will see you next week Welcome back. We have Corey Schneider here with us. Corey, how are you doing tonight? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure. We've wanted to have you on, and uh, it seems like C-Hack maybe and getting everybody together uh, was a catalyst for getting back to guests and, and having you on, because it's been a while since we've had a guest, and you're definitely one of the more interesting people in the hockey analytics community, in my opinion. So we're really glad to have you on. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, past episodes and I was like, oh, wow, they haven't had a guest in a while. Like, uh, better make a good impression I, on here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Allison or was it, I think, or was it Charlie? It might have been Charlie. It might have no, been. No, Mike. It was Mike. It was Mike Murphy. Mike Murphy, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. had Mike on. So, yeah, but we yeah. don't. We're we're not the most uh, professional podcast in terms of our. Uh, hey, uh, don't you know? <laughs> don't you don't need to disparage disparage what we do here. But, but we uh, we could be a little bit more consistent, I think, with it. But we like to. I think it's for us. We like to the guest episodes. We like to dedicate just to the to the guests because I think it um, it makes it more a little bit more kind of standalone and also puts a little bit more of a uh, highlights kind of the information a little bit as well. So we're really happy to have you, Corey. Yeah, but we um yeah I think we had <laughs> we saw you at Seahag and I was like. Wow, we have. Why haven't we had Corey on the on our podcast? We should definitely do that because it was. And so, yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, but thanks again. 
for those of you who don't know who Corey is, to me, what I would refer to him as is like the micro stat god of the <laughs> hockey analytics community. Corey does a ton of tracking. He has a um, subscriber-based, um, I guess, data service that he puts together. He goes through manually tracks hockey games, which is um, a lot harder of a task, even I think people realize at times, and he's mastered it. Um, so he has a lot of interesting things to offer. I guess, Corey, first sort of question or topic to dive into is what is your background? If you were to explain it to somebody, if I was, you know, the Boston Bruins interviewing you, uh, well, what's your, like your background in hockey? How would you describe it yourself? Well, I think it started from just being a blogger for the, uh, Carolina hurricanes. Like I had my own little WordPress, uh, WordPress blog when I started out. And then I got picked up by this, uh, I got picked up by this network called Blogin, I don't or Blogwin. I don't know what they're called now. I think they've died or something. But they wanted a Carolina Hurricanes blog, and they reached out to me and had me start one from basically the ground up. And I was doing articles every day. And like I lived in the DC area, so I watched a lot of the Southeast Division during that time. So I was a like I was a Caps fan growing up. So I watched a. I watched a lot of Washington, but I watched a lot of the Southeast division in general. And they wanted somebody to write about the hurricanes. Cause I was like one of the few people who was actually like kind of paying attention to them then. Like they were kind of, and it's like, they weren't a bad team, but they were a bubble team around that time. So there wasn't a lot of attention to them. And there just weren't a lot of hockey blogs in general. And, uh, I started by just kind of doing my own data analysis, which started with tracking scoring chances, essentially. Like it was easy and it was just a way for me to kind of pay a pay more attention to the games and just get a better just get a better idea of how teams work exactly, which players are making the most impact. And just as a way for me to kind of stay focused on the games, especially like even if I was doing them live, I would kind of I would kind of just track something. And it really started with me just reading other blogs like the Oilers. Uh, the Oilers blogosphere was huge around that time when it came to manually tracking stuff. Like they were more, they did a lot more scoring chances. The guy who started, the guy who started out, his name was Derek Zona and he was doing Oilers scoring chances, but he also did like Florida, Pittsburgh, a bunch of other teams. And I wanted to kind of jump in on that. And then it started to kind of, and then like it started to kind of take on a mind or it started to kind of branch into different things like in broad street hockey with Eric Tulski and Jeffrey Detweiler, they started doing zone entry tracking. And then I started doing zone exit tracking based on like just work that I've read from people on SB nation and other blogs. And I did the Stanley cup final in 2012. It's between the uh, devils and the Kings. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I felt like I learned a lot about the game, like which defensemen were best at leading breakouts, which forwards were helping lead breakouts. A lot of that, just a lot of like the granular details in the game. And I feel like it made me a better writer, like just gave me better and just gave like me a better like starting point to focus on with my writing. And like, because I had to do game recaps every night on shutdown line when it first started. And sometimes there'd just be games where it was like the doldrums, the dog days of the season. And I 
would kind of just go into those games like, I don't know what I'm going to write about. It's a 2-1 game. Nothing really happened. So I kind of rewatched it and try to focus on something like if a line was working, like why the Hurricanes offense stunk, like why are they why are they in a rut right now or like what's working right now? Like I remember uh, like I remember they had Brandon Sutter on the team and before they traded him for Jordan Stahl, he was like their main defensive center and they had him with two guys who were kind of only like extreme hockey nerds to remember like who Patrick Dwyer and Andreas Nodal were, but that's <laughs> like, they were kind of the hurricane shutdown line, which made things easier for like Jeff Skinner and Eric Stahl to kind of focus more on offense. And that's kind of what I, that's kind of like what I focused on my writing on at the time. And then they made the trade for Jordan Stahl. And it was kind of interesting to see, like, it was interesting to see like how uh, having a defensive only center on the team well you had a defensive only center on the team in brandon sutter and then they got jordan stall who was more of like a two-way guy or he drove play more like he was a defensive minded player but he drove play more so it was like interesting seeing the evolution of the team kind of change because you had a guy playing bigger minutes as opposed to just a straight shutdown center and as i was tracking more hockey games it was kind of interesting to compare like what the hurricanes were doing compared to other teams and just kind of get an idea of like where things are going right, where things are going wrong, just in terms of team construction systems, all sorts of things. Like I still don't think I'm an expert on a lot of like the hockey systems type of things. Cause like I, I didn't play the game. I've never coached the game. Like I spent a couple of years as a consultant, but I, I don't really have a great grasp on like systems, but what I do is like, I just watch a lot of games. I watch a lot of hockey games. I see a lot of teams. <laughs> I, I, I've watched a lot of teams. I've watched a lot of players I can kind of, I have a good idea of what, of who's doing what on the ice, who's leading results, who isn't, what types of plays work, what types of plays don't. So I don't know. I kind of consider myself just like a Jack of all trades type of just hockey analyst. Yeah, I, I just kind of do it. Yeah. Like, I think the best way I can describe myself is like, I'm too much of. It's like I'm not so numbers focused that I fit in with a lot of like the people that have more of a math or engineering background, but I'm also too numbers focused for a lot of people that have the strict hockey background. So I'm kind of somewhere in the middle, and that's just kind of where my niche is. Yeah, I, I think that you are very much are in your own little like your own well large avenue in terms of just like where because there's not like I, I think one of the interesting things is like just kind of a frame of reference for a lot of people was you mentioned that people were doing this kind of back in the day but like what maybe just so for our listeners or maybe people who are newer to the area of just hockey stats in general like what time like what year would you say that you kind of started getting into this when other people were also doing it or started like basically what you do now like the foundation of that was kind of built was that like around the 2012 era or was it kind of even before then I would say um, 2011, 2012 is when I really got sucked into it because that's when I started blogging full time and I was watching every single Hurricanes game. And when I really started, when I really wanted to start doing live tracking is when I went to a game live because they were in Washington one night and I had pretty good seats and I could kind of see all the plays develop from up there see how much like Justin Falk was taking on as a 19 year old, like in terms of leading the breakout. I was just like, Oh, I, I don't know. It just kind of, the light bulb just kind of went up on my head. I was like, wow, this guy is like touching the puck a lot for a guy who's only 19 years old and probably the least experienced defenseman on the team, but they're 
expecting him to do a lot. So I could kind of, I don't know, it just kind of made me want to dive into it more so I could, I could learn more about the game. And then more people started. It was weird because like more people started reading my blog because like when I started, there weren't a lot of people outside the Hurricanes fan base that paid attention to me. But like the next year is kind of when it started to take off because I get a I would get a lot of traffic from my scoring chance recaps because I started tracking the other team too and just posting their stats. And I remember this uh, one Rangers fan was like, I always like see, I always like it when we play the hurricanes. Cause I like reading shutdown lines recaps. Cause I get to see all these cool stats about, about us. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of nice to see. And, uh, but really it was around that time when I started just wanting to do the whole league because I had all the hurricanes data, but I only had the hurricanes. I wanted to compare them to other teams. Cause if you don't have an average or a baseline to, to judge what what's good and what's good and what isn't then you're kind of lost like you compare you can compare to the team average but it only kind of takes you so far because you're looking at because like the hurricanes like they were a very below average team then or bad we'll just flat out say it (laughs) (laughs) but it was like okay so this guy is good on a bad team like how does he look compared to say like the rest of the league and i wanted to have like I don't know. I just, I have a completist mindset and like, I always want, like, I want like a full sample of everything before I start making judgments. And like, you can't always get that, but I, I do my best. Very, yeah. So do you, so, oh, sorry. You Sean, can go you first. Look in the jump in there. Okay. I was just a quick one here. So like, just give us some, like maybe some, um, I guess frame of reference. So now how many games a year are you tracking and do you try to like compartmentalize it? So you're getting an equal number of games from each team or like, and then based compared to how many games you were tracking back then, how has it evolved through your work throughout the years? I know that you've had data, I think on your Patreon, Kind of, I think it started in like 2017. Is that when you started making kind of complete data sets available, um, or was it earlier? I don't know if you could just maybe give some context. Well, the first year I I did, well, I tracked the entire 2013-14 season. That's uh, that's like the first real complete data set. But this is very that was very bare bones data compared to what I have now because I only tracked zone entries and zone exits for that year. But that was like the first crowdfunding project I did, but it was kind of like a one-off. And then I got hired as a consultant for a couple of years. And then I went back to the public sphere to do the stuff I do now. And what I do now is a lot more, there's a lot more of it now. Like the zone exit data is a lot more detailed now. I completely revamped how I did it compared to how I used to. Zone entries has a lot, the zone entry data has a lot more context to it now, just because you watch more games, you learn a lot more, you see other people's work other people do work with like or did work with like what i with my initials on entry tracking so then you can kind of see what layers you can add to it to make the analysis better just make the or just make the data better and that was when ryan stimson started tracking passes too and i added that that was the big thing i added when i came back to the public sphere and I feel like that's kind of the passes are kind of like the big thing that's connected, like entries and exits together for me. So I can kind of iron out like what's important and what isn't. And it's that's really helped with me kind of kind of decrease the amount of time it takes for me to do a game. Cause like if there's a stretch of the game where there's no shots or nothing happens, I kind of just skim through it. 
like as bad as that sounds, but I don't want to waste time doing. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of teams, a lot of games, and I have subscribers now, and I want to get this stuff out in a timely manner. So, it's about making it as efficient as possible. So my question was kind of going back to the like need for completeness. How do you manage that? I guess not to be like a therapist, <laughs> but like for me as an ex- as an example. Like I started, I was going to do this like little mini project. I want to say like over the summer and the last year, the NHL transitioned to ESPN plus, which I know you've had your struggles with as well. It's like got a lot of pros and a lot of cons. Um, And one of the cons is that when a game is nationally televised, it takes them longer to get the game up. And then a lot of times the games are on different days, but this game literally just does not exist in the ESPN plus database and nobody cares to go try to fetch it. And like, it just stopped me in my tracks. Like I just quit at that point. Like, how do you manage the completeness? And also the fact that you also have to deal with that with subscribers. So a fun story about the uh, 2013 project I did, there is a game that literally has no, there is no video of it. There was no video of it in game center. And I spent, I think I spent at least like a few hours trying to hunt down, trying to hunt it down. And I eventually just gave up. So technically that isn't a complete data set. There is one game missing <laughs> because it does not exist. And it was like some, it was like Florida Calgary or something. But for what I do now, um, so I don't, I don't think I've tracked any, I don't think I've ever tracked a full season just because it's probably humanly impossible to do this in a timely manner unless I get, unless I kind of figure out a way to make my tracking method as quick as possible. But what I want to do right now is make sure there's enough to have like usable data to at least just give fans something that they can work with. Because with passes and uh, zone entries, we found that having at least 20, 25 games gives you a good database. It just gives you a good baseline. And after that point, things don't really change, especially like on the individual level. Like sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Like you'll have dramatic changes, coaching changes like in the middle of the season. But I want to get to at least that 25 game mark, especially around this time of year where it's like, we're almost at the halfway point of the season. I want to make sure there's 15 games or have at least every team done. But I also prioritize the subscriber teams. Like I put out a survey at the beginning of every season asking like, Hey, which team are you a fan of? Which team do you write for or work for? And whichever ones have like the most responses are the teams I focus on early in the season. Cause these are the people that are using the data. Yeah. And like, I want to make sure these people like have enough to work with early on, but I do get there. I do get to a point where it's like, teams just kind of don't change when you get to a certain point, like after game 30, especially like uh, Charlie O'Connor. He, uh, he asked me to prioritize flyers games when I first started doing this and I did. And I remember getting to like a certain point in the year where I was like, huh, like this is not, these guys are not changing anything whatsoever. It's like you spend two, three hours working on a game and nothing changes. Meanwhile, you have some teams stuck in like the 15 game territory. So I'm trying to kind of balance that right now just to give just to give my subscribers the ones who especially like ask for me to do more. Like I want to like prior 
I want to prioritize them, but I also want to have enough of everybody else too. Yeah. So when you say, I, and I guess this is a really interesting concept to me, but like when you say change, so this is something that we think about like with our models, for instance, which are pretty different than what you were doing, but that's a 25 games, 30 games. That seems to be a pretty good area around where you can start making um, claims about, or you can, the data kind of starts to support the models more or less. And you feel like you have enough there. But when you say change, I'm kind of curious on your end, are you talking about like just general play style from players on teams? So like within say 25 games, and then out to say 50 games, like the team in a given season is kind of just playing the same play style or players in general have the same approach or is it mean something else that maybe I'm not thinking? Well, about? I would, I would add. So like, does the rate of like, say like, you know, success, like different type of zone entries. And now, you know, I'm sure Sean is the, is the one who would be more familiar with these type, but like, say for instance, rate of waves that teams are entering the zone with possession, et cetera. Are those the things that aren't changing or is it kind of just overall, um, kind of trends that you're seeing that don't really move? Uh, it's a little of both. Like with uh, forwards, especially, like the rate that the rate that they create shot assists or passes, the rate which they shoot the puck, the rate which they kind of create high danger or scoring chance assists. I've kind of changed that term now just to make it a little more like user friendly. Yeah, yeah. But like uh, the rate which they enter the zone doesn't really change much. The, way, the rate which they enter with control doesn't change much. Zone exits don't really. Zone exits kind of stabilize around the 30 game mark for defensemen. And uh, what real what I look for for the, at the team level is how often a team creates scoring chances on entries versus how much they give up. Because I feel like that's a good baseline of just how teams are controlling the run of play. And that stabilizes around game 30 or so sometimes there will be a big change like the midpoint of the season but you also have coaching changes and all that like the oilers were a big one last year because they were just pure fire wagon hockey early in the season and then when they hired woodcroft they kind of turned into they kind of uh changed into being more of like a slog fest team if that makes any sense like they didn't give they didn't create a lot of scoring chances off entries but they also didn't give up much either and LA kind of did that a lot last year too. We're like early in the season, they were going back and forth a lot, but then as the season winded down, they settled into like a more just conservative style of play. So it's, there are teams that change a lot around this time. There are teams that kind of change like around the halfway point of the season, but it's also like early in the year, I'm kind of backloaded a lot. Like, cause I'm trying to get everyone to that 20 game mark, like before Christmas, and that's when I kind of put everything out there. And then after that, I do a lot more live tracking stuff. And I focus more on like which teams are interesting or which teams I have subscribers for, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's like the teams that are going on a playoff run. And that's when you see they get like a bigger sample compared to like, say, in Arizona where it's like, I just don't, there's just not a lot of interest in them. You don't want to, you, you yourself don't want to go and watch some Coyotes <laughs> games this year? Or some Ducks games? <laughs> Although, like, I mean, this year it's a little different. I mean, this year's a little different, though, because it's like, I've had a few people, but I've had a few responses for Arizona. But um, they were just like the first team I think of. There was yeah. like the, they were the first team I thought of. But yeah. that I that's a team I just don't have a lot of subscribers for. So I'm not going to focus on them as much in the second half of the year compared to like compared to like uh, like Ottawa or Boston or something like that. 
Yeah. yeah. I well, I, I guess I was curious not to this is an, I guess this is a point of interest for me, but I think I'm curious cuz I'm assuming that sometimes you'll watch a team and then you might not watch them for a month or two. Um, I'm not sure if that's entirely correct, but I was curious if you've kind of watched a player or watched a team, I guess more specifically on the player end and then come back to that team say later to track some more and they have made some huge change to their game. I mean, like one of the things we has been on kind of of note this year is, is players like Tage Thompson, who's kind of come out of nowhere recently. And I was kind of curious if you've seen that over the years that players have made drastic changes when you maybe take a break from them, or is it you kind of feel like you get to know the players and they stay that way while you're tracking? Yeah, there are some changes. Like uh, I'm trying to think of a few off the top of my head because I know there's at least a, there's a bunch of them. But I do make that mistake of like I'll get a team to like 10 games and I'll kind of just put them aside to get everybody else tracked. And it'll be like, wait, what the heck just happened <laughs> when I come back to them? Like, but at Nashville was one of those teams last year. <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of like I came back to them around like January or so. I'm like, I'm just like, how did this like they're scoring so many goals? They're scoring so many goals now. Like, what happened here? But um, I'm trying to think. But yeah, that does happen if I kind of put a team aside for a little bit just because I've tracked a lot of them and I need to get caught up in everybody else. Um, there are examples. I'm just trying to think of like the... Oh, it's... Yeah, no, it's, it's not... Fine. I, no uh, pressure. So I, I guess my kind of my question is, I remember it's... I don't want to get too technical because we do have some other things we can talk about. I, I'm just... This is giving me a lot of light bulbs about what questions to ask. But <laughs> um, so like, for instance, like Kevin Fiala, like take a player. I remember hearing, and I don't know if this this is what my memory was, is that he was kind of really good at zone entries. Like he was with possession. Like that was kind of his style when he was on the Predators. And then he got traded to the Wild. And the Wild didn't necessarily, if I remember correctly, weren't really playing that kind of type of style of hockey. And so do you, I guess, now correct me, I could be wrong here, but I'm kind of, I guess Kevin Fiala playing with the Predators then moving to the wild and then now moving to the Kings when players are changing teams, do you see that they kind of keep their same play style when they go to new teams or are they kind of being put into different roles and the team structure is different? And so then we see the stats change a lot when they move from team to team, or is it kind of just like it could be one way and could be the other way? Yeah, it really depends on the team. Like you have a team like Florida that's on the more extreme end of the spectrum. Like when they traded for Sam Bennett, his numbers just skyrocketed after uh, he got traded from Calgary. Because like in Calgary, he just kind of he just kind of existed for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was basically dead center average in terms of every category. And then he went to Florida, a team that was just bonkers in terms of creating off the rush and just creating offense in general. And then his stats like just skyrocketed with it. Like that's that was a huge example. Like that was like a huge example. Whereas like Fiala, Fiala was uh I mean he didn't really have a great like post deadline kind of tenure with the wild, but yeah. <laughs> once he settled in, he was pretty similar to he was pretty similar to like what he did in Nashville. But there are some cases of like a team a player kind of just fitting into like whatever the team system is. Like I think Marcus Johansson's a big one with that. Like Johansson was always a really good zone entry player with Washington. And I think he was with the devils in like his short stand with the Bruins too. And then he went to Buffalo and he kind of was stuck in just no man's land there. He, he was pretty middling all around. And I think it was the same with uh, Seattle too. And then he goes back to Washington. He kind of looks like the old Marcus Johansson now. 
and uh, there's other there's other ones too. Like Niederreiter is an interesting one because uh, he, the Hurricanes, they are a huge dump and chase team, and Niederreiter, I think he plays a lot more of that style than I think people Absolutely. people thought he did when the Hurricanes made the trade for him. Yeah, and uh, he just fit in like a glove on the top line with Aho just because he's he doesn't really need the puck all the time to be effective. So he's kind of perfect to what the hurricanes were doing. Cause that was the first year Brendan Moore was there. Yeah. But yeah, it really depends on the team. Like the extreme cases you'll have like, uh, like in the extreme cases, you'll have a player come in and like, he'll kind of go with the wave of the rest of the team and other times they'll just kind of fit into the system. Yeah. So then do you just one more thing? Do you find when coach cha- coach coaching changes happen, do you see significant changes in player stats, like in season, for instance? Like, say all the same players are basically the same on the same team and a new coach comes in. Are they able to have the impact on a team system in the way that players are playing that people might expect? Or is it kind of surprisingly... Like, I guess I'm just curious about how coaching changes can impact the type of stats that you're tracking. That's something I really want to look at in more detail soon because I feel like... I'm always stuck in the weeds during the season when I'm doing all yeah. this tracking, just cause I'm doing so much. I'm doing so much like video breakdown all the time. I don't really have time to look at it from like the 10,000 foot view and like see trends that are changing. But, um, sometimes like sometimes I do, sometimes I don't like it's weird. Sometimes it's like a player will play the same style in the same way, but he'll just get more ice time under the new coach. And that's kind of how, and that's kind of how like he has his impact. Like I think Evan Bouchard was like that with Edmondson last year. Cause he was kind of, I don't really remember how his ice time was under, uh, under Tippett, but I know Woodcroft was a pretty big fan of him and he was a very, uh, he's a very aggressive defenseman with how he plays at the blue line. And uh, he's really, and like he's really active in the offensive zone too, but he was used a lot more once. Uh, but he was used a lot more once like they made the coaching change there. But there's also like trades that happen too with new coaches coming yeah. in, like the Oilers getting Brett Kulak, and that kind of met, that had a pretty big impact on their zone entry defense numbers because that's like the one thing he's really good at. Yeah, totally. So I have a couple tracking specific questions here yeah let's get first, into it yeah <laughs> first we the other night had mentioned that i think i'm sleeping worse because of the um single advertisements on the boards how have they affect your how have they affected your tracking so far this year like do they bother you a lot like how's has that been balancing so it's interesting because like i don't notice the ads that much when i'm working on a game like they're kind of just there for me. Like I'm just so kind of dialed into what I'm doing, but I'm a lot more tired after I track a game now. Like I have to take a lot more breaks in between games than I used to. Like I can't just go from one game to another with no breaks at all. Like I have to step away from the screen just to rest my eyes a little bit. I I don't know if that has anything to do with the ads or not, but I did see this thread on Twitter about the impact it kind of has on your eyes because like something is changing the entire time. Like even if you're not, even if you're not paying attention to the ads, it's like your brain has to kind of tune them out. And I guess that takes a toll. It takes a toll on like how much your eyes are working, how much your brain is working. And I don't know if like, I don't know if that's having an impact on me and like how much I can get done in a day, but 
I do wonder, and I've also I've wondered if they had any impact on like ESPN Plus because the video quality has been awful this year. Like I don't know what is going on there, but like ever since November, like the the frame rate is terrible. The video quality is a lot worse than it was last year. But only when I go through ESPN Plus because I've had to go through Hulu a fair bit this year because the issues I have with ESPN Plus aren't the same. Like. The, like when I go through Hulu, it's not as bad, but Hulu also heats up my laptop a lot quicker <laughs> for some reason. So I can't use it. I can't really use it for like two hours at a time. So it kind of, it's kind of rough this year, but I, I've wondered if the ads had an impact, like have an impact on just my eyes and how much my brain is working during a game. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then this, the next niche tracking question Reverse retros, everybody has their takes on how they look, which is the best and worst to to track, like the being able to read the numbers and be able to track properly, like which ones have given you the most difficulty and which ones are like a piece of cake. Well, nothing has been worse than San Jose's from two years ago. (laughs) They were gray jerseys with teal numbers and the numbers are super skinny. And then you have the other, the added factor to that is that San Jose's camera angle is basically in like the stratosphere. So I can't see, I cannot see anything and the announcers can't see anything either because I remember them mistaking Kevin. They were, they mistaked Kevin LeBanc for Patrick Marlowe and they don't even shoot the same hand. They're not even the same handed shot. And those have been the worst by far. Carolina's Hartford jerseys were pretty rough two years ago too, because those were great green numbers on gray jerseys. Like those are always terrible this year. I'm trying to think of what's giving me the most. I do like Boston's this year. Like their numbers are pretty legible. They're also very big. Um, trying to trying to think uh pittsburgh's are pretty nice like they're pretty legible buffaloes are kind of rough because they're skinny numbers and they're cut off at the bottom too and a lot of players tuck their jerseys in so it's a little rough to tell who's who there especially well i mean darlene and power like they were on the same pair in the game i did recently and like i I can kind of tell like i can tell them apart just because darlene is a very unique player just with his skating stride and kind of how he moves but like if you're like looking at it in just one glance it's kind of easy to mix them up to mix them up yeah well and well i don't know sean if you wanted to keep going we we could talk about tracking i was gonna gonna jump on that because that's a weird so that's a weird tracking thing that when i was talking to some people at Hack, like i don't think they realize when you get into tracking you start to like pattern recognize even more like players and how they like what they look I guess like just different details about players, which is super interesting as someone who tracks like, cause when I track in the Bruins press box, humble brag two (laughs) times, two times a game. Cause I sit on, I basically kind of sit in the corner that they shoot at. And so like, I can't really see the numbers, but I know the players without seeing the numbers pretty much because like at a certain point when you track, like you pick up on these really small details too, whether it's, like their stick tape, their stride, obviously, you know, their handedness, like a stick, like you pick up on these like really niche things, which I think is fascinating. And I don't think people like realize and I didn't realize how unique, I guess, maybe sometimes it is. Yeah, I'm not that I, I'm not at that point yet with everyone in the league, but it's with teams that I watch a lot. I get to that point, like with right. Carolina, like I, 
like I know most players on that team like like the back of my hand. Not so much this year because like there's a there's a bit a bit of a turnover with the roster, but like uh, if I watch enough of a team, I can kind of pick up who's who just by how they skate. Okay, let me just jump on for a fun one here. So, who is the funniest looking skater in the league? Like, in your opinion, <laughs> which player looks like the weirdest? Like, from an overall, I don't know if this makes any sense. If this, if there's any player that sticks out to you, that's like you also don't have to answer this. You don't either. have to answer it, but <laughs> like, just kind of who who is like one you're that you maybe can, here here maybe that you, can, that you most unique looking. Okay, skater. yeah, the person that when you see them on the ice, you're immediately like. I know that player like that. That's that player. Uh, there's, uh, there's a few I can point to like Natchez is a very unique skating stride. Like he always looks like he's about to, he's about to fall over, <laughs> especially when he, sh- like he, whenever he takes a one timer, he always falls down. Victor, <laughs> Victor Rask had a very weird, oh, yeah. unique yep. skating. He, he would take like three steps and then glide. Dylan Strom is a lot like that too. Like he's a glider, what I call him, because he kind of just he gets to his spot, moves the puck and then just glides the rest of the way. Maybe he'll take a maybe he'll take a stride or two. But uh, I notice those guys a lot. Tage Thompson's very unique just because he's as tall as a giraffe. Yeah. And he has extremely long arms, too. Yeah. Um, Toffoli has a very Toffoli moves his like he, he's very weird. Like he moves his feet so close. Like I, I, I can't explain it. Like somebody said, it's like the Flintstones car almost. Graph and Dreyer on Twitter. And then she got like a lot of like slack for it. Despite the fact that it was like very clearly like, a joke. Like Vla- Vladimir Tarasenko used to be a lot like that too. Like he just cause like he moves his feet so quickly. But uh, Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel is an interesting one too. Yeah, like I remember, like when he his draft year when he was playing at BU, like it's very like upright. Like yeah. it got like a whole lot of like slack from like scouts about his skating stride, despite the fact that he's like a pretty dynamic skater. But that's another one that sticks out to me. Well, but, yeah. I, on, I would the just big one, a big one for me. Like you guys will know, like you guys will probably know this, like Alex Goligoski, <laughs> like he's like, I don't know. He like, he's not that tall to begin with, but he always skates like basically hunched over. Yeah. Like he's doing yeah. a Romanian deadlift and he looks like he's using a toy <laughs> hockey stick half the time. <laughs> like, yeah, I know he, what you're talking about. Yes. I can't believe he's been in the league for as long as he's been just, yeah. And he's still relative. I mean, by our seventy, relatively effective. Like I know yeah. he's not being used by the wild very much. And, but you know, as a depth defenseman, he's still like, you could do a lot worse than him. And he's been, I don't know. He's been, yeah. In the league, I think pro- oh, he's a, like 30, Seven? I don't know how He's old like, he is. But. but anyway, I was going to say with the Victor Rask, that was really <laughs> funny because, you know, there's the legendary Nino for Rask trade, right? The Nita Rider for Victor Rask trade. And then it ended up that, like, Victor Rask, by our models and stuff, actually didn't end up being that bad with the Wild from our models. But when you watched him play, he literally looked like one of the worst forwards on the ice, like, every night. Like, he looked just, like, completely out of place. He stuck out like a sore thumb. Looked he like was... he didn't care at all yeah. either. But then, it, like, I'd look at our metrics, and it's like, what is going on here? How is, like, because he turned into this, like, pretty solid defensive, like, for, like center, like, He's, depth yeah. center. And then nobody ever picked him. I think Seattle picked him up. And then, yeah. I guess, like, it's just from an eye test standpoint, he looks really bad. And, like, but it's, like... 
I don't know from our stuff, and I don't know how it was how he's being used or whatever. But that was always one that was that kind of stuck out to me from a from a wild perspective. And also Niederreiter when he was on the wild, that was always a skater. When I was like, even if you're kind of just glancing, you could immediately tell that was Nino. It was like that's Niederreiter. You know, I don't know why, but it was like just the way that he kind of would move around. You just kind of, I was like, yeah, that's that's Nino. You know, it's like that's him. <laughs> yeah, he's very. Uh... Uh, he he uses his upper body a lot more than other players do when he's skating. Like Marcus Foligno does that a lot too. Yeah, it's weird. Like you don't really could, people do not consider him a power forward, but he kind of plays like one. Oh yeah, and he scores most of his goals. Like I swear, all of his goals in Carolina look like an accident the last <laughs> couple of years because like he he scored a lot from just very weird angles. And yeah, banking it off a defenseman <laughs> or something or off the goalie skate. But that's how the Hurricanes like. That's how they score a lot. They win races. They throw everything at the net. They get bodies to the net, and Niederreiter just fit in like a glove. And that yeah. was like I was pretty disappointed when they couldn't keep them. But yeah. they've, uh, I mean, they've they've been such a they've been such a weird team this year. They, they like yes. Jordan Martinook is scoring goals again. Jordan Stahl has almost ten. Stefan Nason's been a contributing player and he was in the AHL <laughs> who is last that? year. That's like he's... Sean is Sean is like wasn't sure who that was. He's for... been perplexed I, about this no, player. I, mean, all I knew year. who it was. I didn't know how to pronounce his name. That was an issue. And then he hey, scored against Nason. the Bruins. He scored against the Bruins yep. on the Black Friday game. Yep. And uh of course I got someone from the team who like you know, listens to the podcast and, and had reached out to me about Stefan Nason, which jokes on, on them because the Bruins came back and won and kept the streak alive. So, you know. So on that, I think we're on this kind of topic already, but you've been doing this for a long time. You've been tracking games for a very, very long time. I don't know how many thousands of games you probably watch at this point, but like, and kind of for, for Luke and I, as we've been doing this more and more, I like the things that I used to be interested in or like the reasons why I watched hockey have changed dramatically. And I was kind of curious what like what still interests you when you watch hockey? Like what still keeps you interested? Have you do you find that like weird stuff is like for Luke and I, we made an account about just when hockey players fall over. I think that's really funny. And so I kind of like to laugh about that. But like and so that's the one thing I like to watch in games is just hockey players on ice falling over, which is just a stupid thing. But that's what I think. After working on this for so long, I'm, I'm it, that's what it's kind of. This is what it's come to. This is what it's know. come to. Yeah, but I'm but curious like, with you, like what what still keeps you interested? Like coming back and like when you're watching a game, do you find that you just hate hockey, or do you still really enjoy it in maybe a different way? There are days where I don't really want to look at my computer screen at all, <laughs> or I don't want to see yeah. the ice at all, just because <laughs> my eyes are my eyes feel like they're going to catch on fire, but. I don't know. There's always something new for me to kind of to kind of look at the game, and I always love the playoffs because that's when I can dig into the details of the game. There's fewer games on every day. I can kind of dig into the matchups, dig into some of like the game within the game type of thing, and how my stats kind of correlate with it. And that kind of gives me ideas of what I can do better the following season, like to work into my data. Like I remember in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Like the big thing people were talking about was puck retrievals. And I thought that's something I can kind of work or I can work into my zone exit tracking or just have it replace my zone exit tracking because from just tracking goals, I've noticed a lot of it starts with like how you get out of the defensive zone. And a lot of it starts with going back to get the puck 
beating pressure, making the first play or something a lot or something related to that. And it's kind of just a chain of events. And like my goal, my goal is like kind of to link all these stats, these micro stats together. And I still, I feel like I still haven't found like the best way to do it yet, but I really need to kind of take a summer or a couple of weeks off to kind of find the best way to link everything together. And that's kind of what keeps me going back. There's always new things to look at, new things to track. Like with my Seattle project, I only looked at goals and how they originated, which zone they originated from. If they came off like a counterattack, off a controlled breakout, off an offensive zone retrieval, off a turnover, just all these different categories that are kind of under like a certain umbrella and they can kind of tell you how teams kind of operate where they're or how teams operate, how they create their offense, how they score their goals. And on the flip side, if you look at where they struggle, how they're, where they're giving up the most goals. So kind of finding like, I don't know, just a way to make looking at the game fun for people that like didn't play like people that didn't play the game or people that did play the game and want like a little like more detailed stats but something that's like in layman's terms because that's kind of where my niche always is it's how i got interested in the game yeah and how i got interested in doing this type of tracking work so that's kind of where that's why i keep going back to it and like there are days where i'm just like where it's a slog for me i just try to do my work as quickly as possible and then go off and just go off and do other things with my day. Yeah. But there are other days where I'm like just really invested in it and I want to kind of and I'm like super motivated. But that's just kind of that's kind of how it is with every job though. Because yeah. like this is a job, this is a job for me now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So but like yeah. having it, I don't know, treating it more like a job and not something that's my entire life has kind of really gotten me more comfortable with like what I do, if that makes any sense. No, no I completely understand. Completely understand. <laughs> well, it's, we've said, it's like, you know, sometimes I think I said this on another earlier episode, there was like, you know, we try to watch a lot of the wild games just cause you know, we're in Minnesota. It's, it's a kind of fun way to, you know, keep and you know, keep up with some family and talk about the wild and whatever. And the wild are on. And I was just like, I don't want to watch this. I'm like, I don't <laughs> want to watch this. Why am I watching this? But it's it's kind of funny. And I was curious for you because you you mentioned earlier how you grew up a Capitals fan. So are you like a fan of a single team now, or are you kind of like just a fan of? Does it is it kind of a flavor of the week thing? Is it kind of like come and go? And like how how does that work now? Or are you is fandom just completely dead to you now? I mean, I'm a Hurricanes fan now, like pretty much full fledged. Okay, like yeah. really since 2010 I've been a Canes fan. Okay. Like I, I don't know, I was a Car- I was a Panthers fan as a kid. And uh I kind of just brought the Hurricanes along with it. But I was also like rooting for the Caps too, but then I was also when I was doing shutdown line, I was watching every single Hurricanes game and like when you do that, you eventually you get invested in the team, you're talking to the fan base a lot and you kind of become a fan and then like the hurricanes were like the hurricanes were my te- like just became my team and they still are i'm just the the problem is like right now is that i'm i'm always doing a lot of stuff when they play so yeah. i can't watch a lot of games live as a fan like i ha- like i'll have it on the tv i'll have eyes on it on like i'll have a few eyes on it and i'll post like some funny tweets or whatever during <laughs> the game some stupid memes that I, some people still <laughs> like um <laughs> Just to like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like the, the only, I think 
what keeps the only thing keeping my fandom in check really right now is like I'm so I'm just so busy during the games. Well, like during playoff time, I'm pretty much a full fan. I'm a full fledged fan. Like I don't really do a lot of work during the games. I save that for after. Yeah. Like I kind of, but I'm a little different now. Like I don't ride the wave of emotion as much as I used to. Like when the hurricane, like I remember, I think it was when I came back to the public sphere. Like I was pretty much like a, like I was a pretty big fan of the team and I got, I got really just down and like pissed whenever they would, whenever they would lose or play like crap and which was often and <laughs> but they then they went on that playoff run in like 2018 and i feel like i don't know i feel like after that it's like they they're in the mix every year they're always a good team now and it's just kind of like this is kind of what i it's kind of what i wanted as a fan it's like a team that's interesting a team that's competitive a team that wins a, a lot even if they haven't won in the playoffs as much as they I hope they would, but that doesn't really like, I don't really like ride the wave of emotion as much like as I used to, Yeah, which like, I feel like it helps, but a lot of it is just because I can't watch the live games as much anymore because I'm so busy. Yeah. So you already know the results when they're, (laughs) you're not like, you know, you know, hanging to the, I don't know, side of your chair or whatever off the top of your, you know, but yeah, it is, it is kind of funny because I remember that, that I don't know when this was, but it definitely the um, riding the wave of emotion like you say like i used to get like my whole next day would be like ruined or i would feel down if they lost the, like the wild lost the day before and or it would be really like oh they won yesterday like awesome you know kind of thing and i don't know when that disappeared but it disappeared a while ago it's paul paul fenton destroyed it yeah he, he, it was paul fenton <laughs> yeah it was his fault when he traded nino away that was when it really died <laughs> I, yeah. I yeah <laughs> but uh no, I think that uh, we're getting kind of close to the end. I don't know, Sean, if you had uh, one more, th- another thing that you wanted to kind of discuss here, or yeah, do you think after all these years of tracking, like I guess I can add sort of two things. Do you think it's like fundamentally changed the way that I guess you watch hockey? Like, I think it was like Andrew Thomas before. I think I've even said this on the podcast was like he found working in hockey that hockey people focus a lot on like, I guess, quality and like the the idea of like the shot going in the shot to the net as opposed to like analytics people like really focus on the process. And since you are, I guess, like tracking all these pieces of the puzzle to the process to get to the net. Like, do you think that has changed the way you've watched it as opposed to like, I don't know, in 2010 when you were more or less just like a fan? Yeah, definitely. Just because like I kind of, I don't know, like I'm a lot more focused on a lot of the details of the game when I'm watching it now. Like, especially when I go to games, because like uh, the AHL team is right up the road here and we go to a lot of games. I saw you're scouting the Marlies the other night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, scouting. I'm figuring out who's who on that team. I, <laughs> I, I did not recognize any players except for like Logan Shaw. But um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I'm watching a lot more of like how passes are coming together, how players are playing off the puck. And like a lot of fan, like, I don't know, a lot of fans are like, get really upset when like the team when the team doesn't shoot and me i'm just like oh there's a defenseman right in front of him like 
if he shoots, it's going to get blocked. Like, so, yeah. and like a lot of people are upset, like if a goal doesn't go in or a guy hits the post or something like that. I'm like, you know, like I get it, but like, what, what's he supposed to do there? Or yeah. like, if the team is not playing well, if the team is not playing well or something too, but I kind of get, like, I don't know. It's weird. Cause like, I never played hockey at like a competitive level, but I can kind of understand where it's like, you're getting dominated for an entire game nothing's really going your way you're down two. you're down two goals you're trying to get through the neutral zone the other team's got a trap set up you don't really have any if you're trying to make a play you'll probably turn it over but if you're just dumping the puck in you're giving the puck away too so i kind of like i kind of get sometimes you get stuck in these like doldrums of the game where it just seems like you have to kind of play through it until you can kind of create something whereas like before i were like before i'd probably get a lot more frustrated especially during the playoffs like the hurricanes last year when they were playing the rangers like going back and re-watching those games like they were creating a lot of they were creating a lot of just like some of the weakest looking shots i've ever seen in my life <laughs> like from the just from the point from weird angles and i'm just like they gotta do something better than this but i'm like i don't know what they can do though because like they probably know that they can't be taking all these terrible low percentage shots, but they also know they can't be holding on the puck for the entire shift at the wall. Cause that's just wasting time. And they're already down three, nothing. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. I'm more kind of, I kind of get like where players and coaches are coming from now, if that makes any sense. And I'm like yeah. less, I just go, I'm like less red ass when things go wrong or like a player screws up or something. Like, honestly, I get more, like, I feel like I get more frustrated when nothing is happening during a game than the screw-up <laughs> happens. Yeah. Well, that That's really interesting because I don't think... I, I think that definitely, like, my view or, like, I think Josh is probably similar is that... But I think we're more... I'm more watching it from, like, a, you know, where is my expected goals model missing? You know, like that. <laughs> like, it's like, where are there pieces that I can't, you know, look at or view from a data perspective, whereas you're more looking at it from, like, a the process of, you know, how the game is flowing from zone to zone and how, like, and that's, that's really interesting about kind of understanding why, like, you know, if you, if a play, if, if you as a fan get frustrated because your team isn't doing anything well, understanding the underlying system that is in place for why that's not happening is kind of a really, that's an interesting thing as, as a kind of doing the work you've done. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, it kind of makes me like a very boring person to watch sports with just because it's like, I'm just like kind of totally deadpan during games now. Whereas like before I, I don't know, before I was like the last person you want to be around from just being just totally fired up during games and frustrated and pissed. But like, whereas like now I, I go through like games without even saying a word or whatever, Yeah, but it's, I don't know. It's like, like I said, it's different now than it used to be like now, especially when I'm kind of trying to focus on is just like, I don't know, with like rebound chances, especially your high quality chances, chances close to them, like really dialed in on like how much control a player has of like his shot around those areas. Like if they're running out of real estate, but they're still getting like what is considered a scoring chance. Like I'm, I'm a little more focused, like I'm, kind of focused on that now too but i'm like also getting to the point where it's like okay there's a lot of things that happen during a game you're not going to be able to account for anything and that's okay like like you don't need to have track of ever you don't need to keep track of everything and it's also just like i don't know conveying my message like conveying my message to fans after games too is also 
sometimes difficult because like a lot of times I don't really say anything because it's like I'm like I'll say something and I feel like it comes across as like I don't know talking down to people and I don't want to do that yeah and I'm also trying to and it's also just like some fans do not care about any of the stuff that I'm talking about (laughs) and that's okay too and I like I'm at the point where it's like I'm at peace with that like a few years ago so I I don't know. It's like me being a foot. I don't know. It's like a football, like you have teams kind of like, it's like, I'm a Bengals fan. And like last year they went on the run that run to the super bowl that like pretty much all of us knew it was fairy dust, but we also didn't need people reminding us that it's fairy dust. We kind of just want to enjoy the ride while it lasts. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, it, oh. it absolutely does. We're well, on I feel, the, like, uh, I feel yeah. like we're we're guilty of doing that on Twitter. It is yeah. it's a very hard bout to balance things. It is. Well, we ruin you know? we ruin many people's fun uh and joy. I think of... that yeah. <laughs> Unintentionally, <laughs> Not, I will add. I, well, it's now I'm more mindful of it, but I think in the past like, a couple years ago, I didn't really quite know because it was just like, oh, it's like we're doing stuff and I we would have fans who'd come back at us who were legitimately mad about whatever we said and I wasn't really Thinking about which I think you probably have experienced where you just don't even realize maybe something that you said as just an observation could have, you know, unknown impacts on on people or fandoms. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I feel like it's worse now than it used to be. Like, if you say literally anything, you got like a bunch of like, you got a bunch of like people with a bunch of letters in their names and like a meme, (laughs) like a, a meme Twitter picture coming at you just being totally mad over nothing yeah and i'm just like i don't know i i don't really pay attention to it as much as i used to yeah Yeah. whereas like before i had to make sure everybody kind of understood what i was saying and now i'm just like okay i'm not gonna i don't have to tweet literally every single thing that comes to my head during especially now because i'm like i'm tracking a lot of games from like a month ago to get everybody to like an even sample size and I'm like, oh, this is something interesting. I'm like, oh, this game happened a month ago. Nobody's going to care about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, this guy's probably not even on the team now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guarantee you there are some people who who still find everything that you tweet extremely not, uh, informative and, and very helpful. Um, so I, 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 I can guarantee you that that's, uh, that's still... Uh, and I, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's been... I haven't. Maybe it's just we haven't been as like mean towards players or teams in general, unless it's the Rangers. I always enjoy <laughs> kind of poking fun at the Rangers. There's no, you know. I mean, it's, too, I mean, it's <laughs> pretty easy. So I don't really <laughs> it is yeah. funny. We liked. I think I liked it. It's kind of a uh, uh, kind of back and forth uh, thing with some Rangers fans yeah. now, but it's. Uh, you know they take it they take it very well and it's a, it's always it's always fun in the end but yeah well i think with that we're going to probably wrap up here i wanted to just give you uh, uh, an opportunity just please to share where people can find you um you know how, how they can support your how work how they can support your work and and maybe if you've got something that you are excited to that you're working on right now or something that you maybe have planned in the future maybe share a little bit about those things well you can find my work at all3zones.com right now um, there's a link to my Patreon if you want to support my work. I'm working on getting like a payment method set up through the site too, because people have been issue- having issues with Patreon, and it's getting to the point where it's like starting to be a problem. So I'd like to have more control over that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at shutdownline.com for the time being. I don't know if Twitter is still going to be a thing by in a month, but we'll see. Um, I also write a bi-weekly column at McKean's Hockey. So uh, that's uh, I kind of just write on whatever I think is interesting. 
or some like detail of the game that I like get obsessed with for a week. And uh, there's other places too, but like uh, all three zones is like my main hub and shutdown line. My Twitter account is also where you can find just my general thoughts about anything. And uh, if you subscribe through Patreon, you get access to all the charts that I have. I have player cards with all the micro stats, team sheets, uh, individual game breakdowns, all that stuff. And in the coming week or so, I should have like the player cards and all the Tableau sheets from this year up. So excited to finally get these out because I feel like it's been a long wait for them. Just yeah. with the, I'm kind of in the weeds now of just grinding through so many games to get everything up. So that should be coming to an end soon. And then I can kind of focus on more, uh, more up-to-date things. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll definitely link those in the tweets we send out about the podcast. But again, everyone go if you're if any interest in this, we highly recommend supporting Corey's work. Um it's it's really cool and um go give him a follow. Smash that follow <laughs> and subscribe buttons on all three zones.com and the Patreon link and I we feel you on the Patreon side. Yeah. It, we uh, won't go into it too much, we but we won't I, go into it. We've yeah. been there. We've been there and it uh it, it yes, <laughs> but yeah. It, it for the time being, it, it go support Corey. Honestly, everything that he does is fantastic. His website is phenomenal. All of his tools are extremely useful and really, really kind of open up hockey in a way that you maybe hadn't even thought about. So, yeah, and uh, I also put a lot. I also put the uh, data from my Seattle presentation uh, up in the uh, or I put it available for subscribers, and I should be getting some workbooks posted on those and a couple couple of weeks once I get all the stuff from this season posted and uh but yeah I feel like the what I I feel like the Seattle project I did is very interesting and yes. it's very interesting for like uh goal scoring and a lot of it's a lot it's pretty interesting for like how zone ent- zone entries and zone exits connect to goal scoring yeah. so I'd like to kind of get that a little more out in the open rather than just hidden behind uh, a paywall <laughs> so yeah. that that'll be up in the coming weeks soon well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Corey. And hopefully everybody enjoys this episode because I had a blast. I know the twins had a blast. Yeah. Hopefully you did too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Corey. Was... Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. It was great. Great time. Take care, Corey. Yeah. <laughs>